Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let Let Me Speak speak to to the the governor. Governor on KSL News Radio. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. Maria Shalaos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Again, you can call us at 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Let's go right back to our phone lines. Looks like water is going to be the topic of the day. Alan is in West Valley. Good afternoon, Alan. Hey, hello. Go ahead, Alan. What is your question hello. for the governor? Yeah, I was just curious why we didn't put in AstroTurf at the brand-new prison and put grass and a lot of it out at the new prison. Yeah, thank you, Alan, for the question. So we we are working with uh, with all of our buildings to make sure that we have minimal grass now um, on, on new construction. And so there, uh, there 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 is some grass out there, but but greatly reduced from what we had at the uh, at the other site. And uh, and certainly we'll we'll continue to uh, to to look at that. I, I appreciate your concern. We do have we did pass a, a bill this year that requires us to actually remove turf in and reduce turf in many locations. So you'll certainly be seeing more of that. Um, we, uh, we there will be some, but but hopefully a lot less than you've noticed in the past. And then, Alan, did you have? Why another? not build? Yeah, I have another question. Also, um, the state of Utah has got so much money. Why don't we uh, build a factory to make astroturf for everyone to use at their homes to take out portions of their grass? Well, well, thank you. So we we usually don't, as as government, we 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 aren't in the um in, in the business of uh, of of manufacturing or, or or producing things. That's not what government does. Um, certainly, we'll we'll allow the private sector to do that, and and we hope that as more and more people start looking at uh, at at different ways to uh, to to make their 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 homes and their yards beautiful, that uh, that those businesses will will be successful, and there will be opportunities for that. Um, and not you know not not everyone wants astroturf um there there are certainly other uh, other ways to do this as well and and there are some great examples of this in in southern utah and more and more in northern utah all the time that show that there are ways to landscape not using astroturf but with really with with natural shrubs and and trees and uh natural flowers that 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 are native uh species to to our area that are very drought resistant that require less water and and actually are more beautiful than some of the the, the lawns that we have right now so, so this is this is going to take some time. Certainly, it's a it's a paradigm shift. It's a it's a mind shift for for most of Utahns. Uh, but we're we're headed in a much more positive direction than we were in the past. And and I will just say we had uh, last year we had cities and we had HOAs that made you put grass in. You you couldn't choose one of these other options. And so so we're, we're making that first big step. And and uh, I think it's a it's a big step in the right direction. 
Governor, our next listener wants to know, they say they're curious about where all the rainwater goes when we have showers. They see it rolling down the gutters into storm drains, and they're wondering if there isn't a way to capture and use it for drinking water, et cetera. Yeah, so we, we actually do allow that uh, in the state of Utah for um, for individuals, and, and homes can do that. Uh, there, there, um, there, there are some re- requirements because we can't capture all of that. What, what happens to it is it, it, it actually flows back to places where it's needed. So it, it ends up in, uh, you know, Sometimes it, in some places it ends up in the Great Salt Lake, and uh, and 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 it will end up in in uh, Utah Lake and and other places. And so we you, you don't you, you don't want to stop completely that natural cycle of water getting to where it needs to go. Other places it goes into the ground where it is filtered and and, and then gets down back into the uh, into the aquifer bo- below the ground. Um, but there are uh, th- more and more people are starting to collect rainwater to use to water their lawns, and uh, that's something that we that. that we encourage that um, and, uh, and, and, and hope that people will, uh, will do more of. Our next caller is Todd in Spanish Fork. Good afternoon, Todd. What is your question? Uh, Governor Cox, thanks for taking my call. I'll make it brief. Over the last few years, we've heard some talk about uh, certain California cities compensating residents for um, grass <clears throat> replacement. Um, roughly a year ago, I decided to replace up to 50% of my grass. I have about uh, an 8,000 square foot lot. And uh, so it wouldn't be huge, but if a lot of us did it, it would be uh, very beneficial. So I began calling uh, to find out more uh, about rebates. I called my city, the county, and the state, and uh, I was uh, assured um are told by these enti- these government entities that no program uh, similar to to uh, what I was asking about existed in Utah as of yet. So I went ahead and um, I, I've either completed much of that replacement or I am currently in the process, and it's a little expensive and it is very labor intensive. Um, But uh, when I finally got um, directed to the Central Utah Water Conservancy District, they told me that, unfortunately, because I had already started or had completed these projects, that I would not be eligible for the rebate. And I was very disheartened once I finally found um, the entity that uh, was overseeing the rebates Um, I was told that I was not eligible because I had already completed those, but yet the end result is still the same. I'm doing my part to help reduce water consumption at my home. Yeah. Todd, well, let let me say thank you uh, for for doing your part. Um, That's a huge deal. And and I'm so sorry that uh, that 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 process was confusing. And and I appreciate the question and and I appreciate the feedback. That's very helpful. And uh, water can be a little confusing in in the state of Utah. And so I I, want to be really clear to to everyone about how how this works. So first of all, we've we've never had a statewide program for for flipping the strip or replacing uh, water. 
wa- uh, grass with uh, with with something more water wise like like you have done, um, and that's something I've really pushed for is is some help from the state. So so this year finally um, we were able to get that through the legislature, and uh, they set aside um, they set aside some money to help with that as well. Uh, it, it's it, so this. This, it's a program that is still in development and will be implemented by fall, uh, possibly sooner. We're working really hard to get that implemented. Um, there has been a lot of interest in this program, and we're excited, excited to finally launch the first statewide turf buyback program in, 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 our, you know, in our state. Um, there, there was $5 million for turf removal that was set aside for, and drought-resistant landscaping. Um, so the... Um, we're in the process of building that, but but the the law that we passed, that the legislature passed, uh, it just to help people who are who are trying to follow your example, you you must have living lawn or turf on the land owned by the owner that the owner intends to replace with drought resistant landscaping, which makes sense. You have to be in good standing with your retail water provider, so you can't have unpaid bills. Um, uh, it has to be voluntarily. Uh, uh, you, you have to participate voluntarily. Can't be required by by government code or policy. And uh, and and owners uh, may not receive an incentive if the owner has previously received one or more for the same property. So it's it's just one per one per person, one per property. And uh, and there there may be some additional ones. Again, we're we're hoping to get that that out soon. Now for 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 what you went through, and this is important for everybody else who's looking at this right now. Um, and that is any. Anything dealing with water uh, on your property, always go to your your water conservancy district, the water district that you live in. Um, right now, there is some uh, some flip the strip uh, money uh, available in local districts. Uh, you mentioned Central Utah Water Conservancy District; that is one of those. And, and I feel bad that you, that, that you weren't directed there until uh, until afterwards. Um, the Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District is another one, and and Weber Basin is another one. Um, and and so we would encourage people, you can go online to utahwatersavers.com and find out more about those programs in your area. But um, I, and I'm sorry, it's, it's too little too late for you, Todd. But again, thank you for what you've done. And, and for everybody else, uh, there will be more details coming uh, coming soon on the statewide program. All right, Todd, thanks for your call today. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. We'll be taking your calls again when we come back, 801-575-8255, or you can text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This 
This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor, live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Again, the number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Governor, good afternoon. I understand that today you have declared a drought emergency, and, and tell us exactly what that means. Well, Maria, thank you. It's great to be with you again and always great to be able to uh, to talk with uh, with callers and the citizens of Utah. So, so yeah, sadly, we've uh, as, as we've looked at the drought situation, we, we got a, another update this week. Uh, the the the, uh, the winter weather patterns didn't go as, as we had hoped. Um, and, uh, and and so the, the drought continues right now. Uh, almost 100 percent of the state, 99 percent of the state is in severe drought, which is the third drought category out of five. So that's 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 serious um, and uh, and and something that's deeply concerning to us, um, and, and we rely so much on reservoirs. And the the problem is we're starting at a deficit because of how dry it was last year. And what we know is this is the worst twenty year drought in the Western United States in in over twelve hundred years. That's that's how serious this drought has been over time. So we're starting with a deficit, which means that we needed a an above average year to to be able to reduce the drought conditions. And and we didn't get that. We had a great December, but January was terrible. Uh, February was one of the worst on record. March was okay, but it was warmer, so some of the snow started to melt. April has been good. That's that's a positive. There is some positive news out there. We have another big storm coming, it looks like, on, on Friday and into Saturday, which is good news. But these spring storms have not done nearly enough to help us get our snowpack. It's about 75% of normal right now. And and our reservoirs are, are, are only about 59% of capacity right now. So we, we wanted to do this early in the season um, to declare this drought. It does a couple things. Um, one, it, it, uh, it opens up resources for our water districts, um, but, but most importantly, again, it's a signal to our water districts and to the citizens of the state that we're going to have to be very careful this year, that we are going to have to conserve again. And I, I just can't say enough about how great our state was last year, far exceeding our, our highest expectations in, uh, in, in their willingness to, uh, to be careful, uh, to, to use less water, to let our lawns be a, a little more yellow than green at times. And, and all of that translated into billions of gallons of water water savings. Um, I, I have to give a shout out to our farmers as well who cut back in very significant ways and, uh, and, and will be expected to do so again this year. And that hurts, you know, not, not just them, uh, it hurts their, their livelihoods and, and their employees, uh, but, uh, but, but they understand how important this is. And, and so we're going to have to do more with less. And, and, and the legislature who passed uh, just incredible legislation this year to help us conserve more. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about our ability to do this again this year, but uh, we we do want people to know from the very beginning that every drop saved as as we start to turn on our sprinklers in you know the end of April and into May uh, that we need to be careful as we we use that water. You mentioned specifically letting our lawns get a little bit yellow, that kind of thing. What else specifically can we do though to conserve water? What are you hoping? Yes, yeah. yeah, so, so so those are the big ones. It really is. Um, we we spend a, an extraordinary amount of water um, watering grass. I mean, obviously we can all be more careful. You know the, the, how how long we're in. Shape hours and, and those types of things. And I, I, I would certainly encourage people. I know some municipalities have, have asked families to try to save, you know, five gallons a day, something like that. Um, those are 
very helpful, but the, the greatest water use happens in, in two areas. One, watering our lawns, of course, and then, and then the agriculture community is, is another big piece of this. And so we have, we have, uh, uh, we, we pass legislation to continue programs, expand programs greatly to help our agriculture community, uh, to implement technology that uses much less water. That, that will also save billions of gallons of water and, and, and not hurt, um, agriculture output. So, so there are lots of things we can do, uh, but those are those are the big ones that will make the biggest impact. And of course, we're we're looking at ways um, to uh, to flip flip the strip, as as they say. We have a lot of grass in the state that is 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 unnecessary. You know, park strips around restaurants and, and fast food places, businesses that no, you know, it only gets walked on when people are mowing it. Um, to use water wise landscapes, uh, we we passed a law that will uh, make it so uh, cities and uh, HOAs can't require people to have grass. Um, we also passed, uh, passed laws that will make government much more efficient. So we have a big obligation to cut back and, uh, and to, uh, to, to have less lawn, less, let, use less water in government facilities. So all of those things will really add up over time. You mentioned how the declaration helps you with resources. We have James on the line right now who has a question specifically about that. Good afternoon, James. Well, good afternoon, Maria, and good afternoon, Governor. Anyhow, I did want to talk about your water drought emergency declaration. I just want to know if there's any plans in the way of infrastructure to possibly, you know, dredge existing, uh, well, rivers or whatever, and also build or enlarge dams to catch water once we get it. Yeah, James, thank you for bringing that up. And, and you're right, I didn't mention that yet, but that is the other important piece of this. So we um, we have been working with our Division of Natural Resources, and, uh, Department of Natural Resources, excuse me, and uh, and and they are working with uh, with our water managers throughout the state state to uh, to to identify and prioritize those areas where uh, where where it makes sense to to continue to build reservoirs. That's something again we're. <laughs> We would not exist as a society today in Utah without the uh, the foresight that went into the reservoirs that were built many, many years ago. And we have an obligation to the next generation to carry that forward. So the answer is yes. We'll be working with the federal government as well. There is some funding that was included in the infrastructure bill that will allow us, uh, hopefully, to uh, to implement some of these, these water projects in the states. So uh, get, getting water uh, stored and, and then to the places. We're also doing something over the past few years that actually has, has has not been done in the past, and that is storing water underground. So taking water and and and. Uh recharging the aquifers that, that are underneath us. Um, there's some great projects happening in Iron County um, where they are, they are doing that. And uh, we, that, that's, that's a great way to store water because they, they really are underground lakes and, uh, and there's no evaporation that happens underground. So it's, it's actually a more efficient way to store water. So we'll be doing more of that. Um, but, but you're exactly right. We have to continue to think long-term, making sure that our kids and grandkids can, uh, can, can live here. And, and the way we do that is the same way it was done by the pioneers who came before us, and that's uh, making sure that we have enough water storage. Uh, and, and, and by the way, dredging is also happening. Um, and, and there's one other thing that I would add to that. It's, uh, it's making sure that we're treating the, uh, the, 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 
the places where we get our water. Um, so the uh, the rivers and streams that feed into these reservoirs and lakes, um, often there are invasive species of plants that grow up around them and, and they suck water out of the, the rivers and out of the ground. So by going in and treating those, by removing those invasive species, more water actually gets to the lakes and the reservoirs. That's better for wildlife uh, and, is, and it's certainly better for humans as well. Governor, you aren't mentioning any specific restrictions, uh, but do you foresee a scenario in the near future where we might actually have to have some stiff restrictions? Yeah, so for sure. Um, we, we anticipate that there will be restrictions, and those all happen at the local water district level just because the, the water capacity, storage, and usage in every district is a little different. So we don't we do not do statewide restrictions. We never have. And, and again, we proved last year that, that, that it's better to do it that way. So we work very closely, with, with again, with those water managers in, in every district, um, they are they're communicating with residents in those districts, and they will let them know um, when those water restrictions come into place. But but I, I do believe that last year, every single water district in the state did implement some sort of water restrictions. Um, I, I can tell you where where I live in Sampy County, um, there there will be water restrictions on our farm uh, and and our lawns as well very soon, uh, as early as June. Uh, but but I do anticipate, and I will say, it, it, the water restrictions are are less likely to come into place if we're very careful at the beginning of the year. So so right now, through most of Utah, with with the exception of southern Utah, there is no reason to be watering our lawns right now. Um, we, we've had plenty of storms. The, the ground is, is very wet. And, uh, and, and, so, and with this big storm coming up, that's going to buy us another week where we, where we won't need to, uh, to water our lawns. So the longer we wait to start watering our lawns, the, the later those restrictions will come into place. And I always like to remind people um, that your, your lawn actually does better with, with less water. Um, when we water too often, then the roots get very shallow and, and the lawn needs more water and dies more easily. When, uh, when we, we water um, less frequently, those roots grow deeper into the ground. And, and then when they get a good soaking, um, the lawn can stay greener for longer. Governor, one of our texters is asking if we still ship water out of state from Utah. Uh, we, we do not uh, ship water out out of state of Utah. I, I mean, with with a couple exceptions. Um, so 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 generally, we, we do not. Now there, we do have federal water storage facilities, and and that happens. Lake Powell, of course, being one of those. Uh, and and so when those those giant um, reservoirs are are used for a, a couple um, areas, Flaming Gorge is, is another one. Um, so so they they are discharged, and and they are part of the Colorado River system. And so, um, so th- those systems, of course, the, uh, the, 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 w- there are water rights that belong to uh, states. We have upper basin states and lower basin states. And, and, and by the way, not just states, but Mexico as well has some water rights on, uh, on the, the Colorado River. And so that, that water, well, we're, we're not shipping it out, out of state. It, it does flow naturally out of state. And, and so we, we have a, a long system of, of treaties and, uh, and water rights that, that we respect and uh, that, that we follow. And so those those changes will be happening. There will be some releases from Flaming Gorge to that will go down to Lake Powell that will increase the flows into Lake Powell, which will help uh, to uh, to continue to generate power. And by the way, that that is power that does come to Utah and other states, um, and and is very important. And, and then that water will continue on. And so so we we continue to to follow those. There there was a big dispute over water that was going to be taken out of uh, of the West Desert areas, the Snake River. 
areas and and uh, um, and, and and taken into Nevada and some of those those uh, different locations and then piped into into Las Vegas. Um, but but we worked to protect the water rights of, of the people in Utah to make sure that water wasn't being pumped out of that basin uh, and uh, and and into other places. But um, but but so yeah, we we don't ship water uh, from Utah outside of Utah, but but it does flow from Utah and our mountains into into other states. All right, we need to take a break. The number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. More on Let Me Speak to the Governor coming up. This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let me speak to the governor live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. Governor, our next caller is Jim in Mount Pleasant. Uh, Good afternoon, Jim. What is your question? Hey, Governor. uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, right next door to you here. But I am a uh, coach here locally, and uh, my question is, is, we watched our, it uh, could have been your granddaughter, it was my daughter that graduated from um, middle school. Um, your policy on gender athletes allowing those to compete against uh, a biological male competing against a biological female, and why you really think that's appropriate or if it's more just a political coat that you're wearing. And the the reason is it's devastating. And I think it would be devastating to you if your child, as, as mine, graduated, had to compete against biological males in this uh, forum. Is your policy still the same? Jim, thanks for the question. Um, I, I released a four-and-a-half-page letter on this. It's pretty clear that you didn't read it. Um, I, I wished you had because if you had read it, um, you would have learned what my, my real policy is instead of instead of in, intimating that there's some other policy out there. Um, I, I also know that, that there are no transgender kids participating in sports against your your granddaughter nor, nor my daughter um, because there is only one in high school in the entire state. Um, and that's, that's exactly what this was about. About. It wasn't about whether or not uh, biological males should be able to participate with biological females. If you had read the letter, you, I, I also think you wouldn't have, uh, you don't want to bankrupt the Utah High School Athletic Association, and you certainly don't want to uh, bankrupt the schools where our kids go. Um, and, and you know who agreed with me that that bill had problems? Every single Republican in the legislature agreed with me because they had to change the bill because they screwed up. It was a terrible bill. It was passed in a terrible way way and it only impacted one person in the state that was my problem with the bill um, I said in my letter that I have serious concerns about uh, uh, about uh, transgender females taking scholarships away from uh, from biological females uh, dominating competitions like we had seen with the uh, with the swimmer out of out, out of pen so so again you're, you're putting words into my mouth or, or, or not understanding exactly what it is that we did nowhere did I say 
say, I think it's a great idea to have biological males participating in, in girls' sports. I've never said that. I don't believe that. And, and I know you don't believe that either. But see, we, we have this thing where we're getting dumber as a society because we can't have real conversations with people. It's either, hey, if, if you don't agree with, if you don't agree 100% with this bill, that means you think that boys should be participating in girls' sports and you think boys should be in locker rooms. <clears throat> That's just not true. And, and, and I'm so disappointed in, in, in people who don't have the ability to have real conversations and actually engage in what we're talking about here. So, so that's, that's my problem with, with what happened. And if you, if you go back and read that letter, I think you'll better understand what my, my actual position is and, uh, and how damaging that bill was to our schools and to the high school athletic association. Fortunately, I was able to call a special session. Uh, I was able to convince the legislature that, that again, every Republican needed to vote to change that bill uh, so that we could at least reimburse um, our schools and uh, and our um, uh, our high school athletic association for the lawsuit that is coming we, we have Idaho who is already already has this lawsuit they're two years ahead of us in that lawsuit and by the way the judge stayed the implementation of the law so transgender kids can still participate in sports in Idaho even though they're spending millions of dollars on this lawsuit to me it made it made much more sense to let that lawsuit play out um, and, and then make a decision where it wasn't impacting really anyone in the state at all. Uh, but, but because people, you know, people want to get engaged in these culture wars and people want to get so fired up about an issue that's really not impacting anyone in the state of Utah, it, it's just sad to me that, that we can't have better dialogue and better conversations. All right, Governor, our next listener is asking, if we don't have enough water for the citizens that we have now in Utah, should we quit building more and more houses? Well, uh, I, that's that's really easy for people to say. If you if you don't want your kids to live here, um, you, you know you don't want anyone else to live here. Look, that that's not how this works, and it's not how it should work. Um, we have water; we just have to use it more responsibly, um, and we have the ability to store more water. If if we had taken that approach, no one would live here in the state of Utah because there wasn't enough water for the the you know for the first settlers that that, that landed here. Um, that's not how we do things. We're, we're better. We're much more innovative than that. Um, I, I get really frustrated with people. I, I always say that, you know, an environmentalist is somebody who built their cabin last year and, and now doesn't want anybody else to enjoy what they get to enjoy. This is an incredible state. And we're smart enough as a people. Um, we're innovative enough as a people to tackle hard things. In fact, that's how we became a state. I'm always so impressed with the um, with those settlers that came here. My, my great-great-great-grandfather was an engineer. His job was to find ways to get water in some of the most impossible places. Um, he helped to do that in, in Sampe County. Uh, he helped to do that e- even farther south in in, uh, in the Kane County area, places where they, they thought it would be impossible possible to, uh, to to live in, in Mount Carmel and, and that area where they engineered some incredible feats to uh, to store water and, and then get water to places where uh, wh- where it, it normally wouldn't go and so that's the type of innovation that we need um, as a society far too often we, we've stopped doing the big things um, I mean you look at these incredible feats um, Lake Powell and uh, and the Hoover Dam um, that, that allowed these deserts areas to have have population centers um, that's the America I believe in not the America that just throws up our hands and says oh you know what um, we this this is too hard or we can't do it so we're going to continue to innovate um, we're definitely going to make sure that this is a state where my kids and my grandkids can live and I think that's what most Utahns expect and want 
All right, Governor, we need to take a break. We'll come back with more of your questions. Number to call, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. You are listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor. Get your questions answered by the Governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let Me Speak to the Governor on KSL News Radio. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. And let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Brent is in Salt Lake City. Uh, good afternoon, Brent. What is your question? Yes. Thank you for taking my call, Governor. Uh, I had a question on uh, credit card fraud. And I was wondering if there's anything on the books right now that uh, could force uh, merchants to check ID with all credit cards to uh, kind of slow down this credit card fraud that's uh, happening throughout the country. Well, Brent, thanks for the question. And, and certainly credit card fraud has, has been a problem for a while, and, and, and that, that continues. Um, and, and with with all fraud, um, we're, we, we certainly share those, those concerns. Um, the problem with, with, with requiring IDs at, at every transaction, I, I, I think you can see how, how very quickly, how, how difficult that becomes, um, how, how slow that process would take um, constantly. I mean, you mentioned retail, but there are so many other ways that people uh, use credit cards and, and, and spend credit cards. Obviously, online um, is where, where most people do, uh, do, do their shopping now, which makes it, uh, which makes it just that much more difficult. And, and you can just imagine if Every single transaction you ever made with a credit card that you had to show an ID, what, how, how difficult that would be. Um, but, but we are trying to do more to protect people from fraudulent purchases. Uh, and uh, we do have laws in place that when you report fraud timely um, to the credit card company, there is protection there. Uh, m- most of the fraud prevention is actually done by banks and credit card companies. So they're, they're changing uh, constantly and, and getting better at this. So the chip technology um, and the, those, those codes, those CB CBV codes um, on, on the back of your card are all efforts to combat fraud. Most fraud doesn't happen when somebody actually steals a credit card, right? It happens when they steal the credit card number and, and your information. So so having that chip technology and those types of things are, are actually helpful. Um, Utah does have a robust effort to protect fraud uh, consumers from fraud. We have a, a division of consumer protection. And uh, if you, if you lo- log on with them, and you can actually get updates online as well, they regularly issue scam alerts and uh, they have an online portal portal where you can lodge complaints um, that, that helps them investigate it and kind of pick up on some of these scams. That's where w- one of the things, unfortunately, here in Utah is that we do see higher levels, not not of credit card fraud, but of, of, of more uh, affinity fraud and other things um, with with Ponzi schemes and um, trusted individuals that trick us into to, uh, to because we're very kind, generous people and we want to help people and believe the best in people. So you'll get random phone calls from people who pretend to be someone they're not. Um, that's something we're very worried about, and, and we issue those consumer uh, protection releases uh, very frequently. So you can go to consumerprotection.utah.gov, and there's a whole bunch of information on there, how to protect you, how to protect your credit cards and, uh, and, and your families from, from any fraudulent activity. Thank you for the great question, Brent. Governor, next a listener wants to know, we have several listeners talking about the affordability of housing and what the state may be doing to make housing more affordable, especially houses. 
Yeah, yeah. This is something that, that I've been very concerned about. We, we had another good legislative session um, working on these issues. So, so really, um, the, you know, there's, there's only two ways to decrease the price of housing. You either have to decrease demand or you have to increase supply. Um, decreasing demand is not fun. Um, that's, that's the bad part. And, and actually, um, that's what we're seeing nationally. So with inflation happening so much, including um, within the housing market, uh, the, the feds have started raising interest rates. And the whole reason you raise interest rates is to make money more expensive and, and to, to kill demand. Um, and so that, that is, sadly, uh, for the wrong reasons, that's, that's one way that we will see a, a decrease in demand and, and we will start to see prices come down because people can't afford now um, a high interest rate loan. But that's not good for people, right? That's not what we want. So, so our focus in, in our state is on increasing supply. And uh, and that's what we were able to do with with the legislature this year. And in the last two years, really, um, we've passed several laws around helping increase supply, um, having density in areas where density makes sense, not everywhere, but just in areas where we have good transportation um, infrastructure so that we don't lower the quality of, of life for people that live. And there are people who do want to live, believe it or not. There are people who want to live in more dense areas. Um, and, uh, and and for those of us who like to have more space, um, ag- again, increasing the, the availability of housing in those areas. We can also, we're also working to decrease um, the fees that government puts on housing. That, that, that's one thing that makes housing more expensive when you have to pay all these fees. Um, so, so we're working, that's mostly at the local government level, but we have passed some laws to, to uh, reduce requirements, um, housing requirements in some of those areas. Senator Mike Lee is working on, uh, is working with the federal government right, right now to try to be able to use some of the public lands that are inside of city limits or just outside of city limits to make it so those pieces can be these aren't you know national parks and 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 the beautiful areas but places where people assume that that uh, that that uh, development will happen um, all of those things increasing the amount of supply will help lower the the price of housing and, and uh, we also got about 75 million dollars in low income housing funds to help us build more low income housing in the state which will also help uh, reduce the price of housing so we're we're all working together to try to uh, to make that happen. Governor, our next caller is Wendy in Orem. Good afternoon, Wendy. What is your question? Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Wendy. Are you there? Yes. Oh, hi. Okay. I was going to ask for your help. I work at the Utah State Hospital, and I'm talking about the water that they use to water their grounds. And will you please help encourage them I don't know how to really say it, but they water too much. I have pictures of water just running down the sidewalk. I work until 12 o'clock from 5 to 1230, and I've seen them water three times in that amount of time. And they say it is because it's from a spring, but to me, it's still water. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Wendy, for, for, for sharing that with me. And, and I will, um, we'll, we'll make a phone call, uh, right after this is done and, and get in touch with them. Uh, that, that is a, a state government f- facility and certainly something that, uh, that, that is important to us. In fact, uh, I've just, my team is just relaying those concerns to our, our, uh, our department of, of health and human services who, who oversees that and, and they'll get right on that. And, and that's what, what, what I do appreciate is that all, all of us have to do our part. And, and sometimes as government, uh, entities, we, 
we, we make those mistakes too. And uh, you, you can actually report water waste at water.utah.gov where the report is then forwarded to the local provider for, for follow-up. And, and, and our goal is to educate and, and help correct any problems. So if you see a leak or overspray happening, you mentioned overspray where it's running down the sidewalks. Um, that's something that, that always worries me. Um, and, and all of that will help us to reduce, uh, reduce waste. And I want to make sure any complaints we receive are, are not released to the, uh, to, to the general public. Um, but, but we handle that uh, just at the, at the local level to help them know that, that there's been a report of waste and to try to help to fix that. So, so thank you so much. We don't know how long this drought will last. That's certainly out of our control. But what is in our control is how we, how we use this water, how each of us respond as farmers, as, as government, as individuals, families, businesses, all of us really working together to, uh, to use less. And, and your report to me today will be helpful because we'll get right on that. Thank you so much, Wendy. And Governor, we just have two minutes left in the program, so I'll ask you this question about COVID in Utah, what you believe the stance is here in Utah, and about the mask mandate that's being appealed by the federal government. Sure. So again, our our numbers are are very low right now, which is great news for everyone in Utah. Um, our vaccination rates continue to climb, and uh, and uh, I we we've talked to to some of our team, our public health team members um, this week, and uh, they still feel very good about where we are. We have seen some increases in in uh, in states along the East Coast, but those were were fairly mild increases that have started to come back down. Um, they're they're not worried about any significant surges anytime soon here in the state of Utah. So just just good news all the way around. Um, I, I'm actually very supportive of, of lifting of the mask mandates. Of course, we did that here in the state of Utah a long, long time ago. And uh, and so I, I think it's about time. I, 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 we, we actually have a trade mission in Mexico that we're headed to shortly. And uh, and, and I'm, I'm very excited that I'll be able to fly down there and, and not have to wear a mask as somebody who's fully vaccinated and boosted. Still encourage people, if you haven't gotten boosted, to, uh, to, to do that. I think it was the, I think it's the right call um, and certainly the right decision and uh, and and all, all of the data says that as well uh, airplanes are incredibly well ventilated um, better than most public spaces that we are in um, at, at the same time most people are wearing cloth masks which we know don't don't really do much anyway and then people are taking off their masks to eat and drink on the airplane anyway so if you really believe in masks and masking up um, that, then you shouldn't be taking it off to eat and drink because that, that then uh, of course the the virus is, is just spreading anyway. And the last thing I would say is there's nothing preventing you from wearing a mask. Um, and what we do know is a high quality mask, an N95 mask, and some people are even double masking, actually does pre, uh, pre, uh, preserve a, a high level of protection, even if people around you aren't masked. So if you are high risk, or if you are still worried, or if you're not vaccinated, and, and you're worried about that, there is nothing preventing you from wearing a mask. And, and I just hope, as, as I've said many times, that we would just respect each other and, and our decisions, whether you decide to mask or not. Governor, thank you so much for spending an hour every month with us and taking listeners' questions and calls. We appreciate it. Thank you, Maria. And we'll see you next month. And you've been listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor on KSL News Radio. Boyd Matheson, Inside Sources, follows the top of the hour news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, 
you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.